Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on another, yet another in a long line, more than a year now, of glorious afternoons in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Grand and glorious. Grand and glorious. How about we spend a couple hours here engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics, music, entertainment, tourism, development. Uh, You will throw in all kinds of good stuff. Good stuff today on a beautiful Friday afternoon. Thanks for being here. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio with us today, as always, as he has been for over a year now, a couple days past a year. More on that later. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio at Information 1000 KSO. Streamed live on KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app. Maybe you're out on a job site somewhere, got the radio cranked up. Appreciate that. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. Yeah, so last week, you know, we mentioned that this show went live on uh, June 19, 2017. The plaque on the wall, that's what that says. Okay, there's not a plaque on that. There's, no, there's nothing commemorating that. But uh, so Tuesday was June 19, and we talked about, you know, having some chips or something, having a little, and then we just plum forgot. <laughs> we got all caught up in the news, I think. We were not well organized for the event. No, and... Uh, I think something else happened that day. Well, there's a maybe I don't doesn't matter, but we missed it. So it's we're gonna consider this sort of the one year celebration party. Woohoo! Balloons and confetti and stuff. It's been a, it's been really fun, Dan. I do have like a well, like a four ounce box of Reese's Pieces that we could like share together. Wait a minute, you've got Reese's Pieces? And yeah. You didn't tell me. Well, I'm telling you now. <laughs> Dan, after a year, you should know better. Four ounce box. What's that? About the size, about like the, about three servings in there. Oh, well, that could get us through the day. I think so. We put a candle in the box. No, that's probably not a good idea. No, no. I think uh, the I think we'd have Dean Lanier coming down on us pretty hard. I think. <laughs> anyway, so welcome to the anniversary edition and the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show here on Information One Thousand KSOO. Uh, you know. Uh, I am going to do this. Did you say it's going to rain in the morning? That's that's news to me. Chance of showers before 10 a.m. And like, then chance between 10 and 1, then showers likely after 1. So that's what it's looking at. So when you say uh, chance, what kind of chance are we talking about here? Let me get the breakdown. Because I am supposed to do this, this triathlon I'm doing tomorrow, the Dakota Man out yep. at uh, Wall Lake, starts yep. at 8. 8. 8. And I don't want to be doing no triathlon in the rain. I'll do it, but I don't. I've done it before, but I don't want to do it. Precipitation chances. All right, you're looking at 7 a.m. between 7 a.m. and noon, 25 percent. Oh, it's nothing. All right, we'll and be then okay. From one o'clock till about six, that's when you get into the uh, 60 60 percent chance of showers. And then what about tomorrow night? Because I might go down to the 6:05 summer classic. You get uh, 7 o'clock from 7 o'clock to midnight, 40%. Well, so we're kind of flirting with it there. Yeah. Flirting. Uh, for my friends at the 605 Summer Classic, I'm hoping that they get some good weather, but we'll see. Hoping. Keeping our fingers crossed on that one. 
that's downtown at the 8th and it's well, it's kind of behind the Shropa Shropa place in the big parking lot there it's a big concert always a good time I don't even know who's playing I'm just going to go for the fun um, so I have this triathlon tomorrow Dakota Man I'm all fired up ready to go and so yesterday I went out to because everything's flooded right so it's tough to go out and ride your bike but I went over to Yankton Trail Park you can just kind of go around in miles mile circle like we were talking about with the smart cyclist so i go out there and i test everything out everything's working good get off i start running i'm just doing some sprints just doing some speed work dan that's what we call speed work just to get the get the the pace down you know get the feet moving right and uh there's a, a gentleman out there with his daughter and you know uh a hispanic uh family out there there's a bunch of people playing soccer anyway she uh comes over and she's she's spanish speaker and she says you know, she motions to me to, to run. Like she's going to race me. I'm like, all right, let's do this. She's barefoot. She's got a, a jacket wrapped around her waist, and she's giggling the whole time that she's beating me. A 100-yard sprint-ish. And then I'm dying, right? I'm like, ah, you know, gracias, gracias. Uh, and, I, and I look at her, and I say, how old are you? And she says, I don't know what Spanish for 12 is. What do you know? That would be, let's see, once a, uh, once a doce. Doce yeah. is 12. Doce is. And so, and I, and I think that's 12. And I say 12. And she said, see. Sí. And I'm like, oh, man. So I run a few more. And then she comes back and she's like, go again. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. And so then she beats me. Uh, you know, she's just laughing the entire time. So this has kind of busted my spirit. So we had high fives, and I said, no mas. <laughs> no mas. I'm done. Roberto Duran, yeah, no mas. And uh, she just, she said, uh, you know, she just kind of smiled and ran away. This, that doesn't bode well for me, does it? Well, remember, you're already lathered up, and, and yeah, you've kind true. of, and, and you're, did, did you stretch properly before all of your exercises? No. Okay, there, there's, <laughs> I think, part one. I was able to get out of bed today, so that's a good sign. Okay, yeah, that was, I, I have long since dropped my pride yeah. of being able to, to be outrun by someone of the younger yeah. generation. Yeah, that's true. I shouldn't worry about it. 12-year-olds can be fast, especially in bare feet. It's on the grass. That, we'll see how tomorrow goes. But did you really want to win? No, I didn't. Okay. That's the other one. So that's and I'm just you're all right. You're all right, Patrick. You can all do right. this on because because we need to build you up so that you can finish. <laughs> you can finish this. No, I'll finish. I'll finish as long as Mayor Ten Haken isn't going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're laughing all the way. As long as he's not running backwards and pointing at me. Ooh, we don't need that. We'll see if it's bad weather. We'll see if he if he shows. Maybe he's a kind of he's maybe I'm a mutter. You know what I mean. You're a grinder. The you're, worse the weather, the better I do. There you go. That means you're hard. You're hardened for this event. That's right. Here we go, baby. I'm all in. Uh, so that'll happen tomorrow. Well, we got a great show for you today. Our guests, uh, we've got Laura Black coming in from Sanford Research. She's going to tell us what you need to know uh, as a consumer about participating in these clinical trials. We have a very high rate of clinical trial participation here in the Sioux Falls area. The Buffalo Maiden will check in from the Black Hills Bureau for Weird Friends. And Jeff Mann, he is a drummer with this uh, surf rock supergroup, Habeas Porpoise, <laughs> which is a great name. A uh, bunch, of, bunch of musicians from here in Sioux Falls, and they're going to uh, uh, be playing uh, tonight on the deck. Free deck party party concert down there at Club David. So we're going to chat to him with him about that. He's also a tattoo guy, tattoo artist at Vishnu Bunny. 
And I will have a PL statement just after the next break. Today's topic, uh, more on the Darren Ketchum. It's been on that uh, and, uh, uh, you know, immigration. Why not? This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 319 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And that's where we're going to get today, a little closer to free on the PNL statement. And I look through the news today, and I, you know, yesterday we had that twins shortened show, and uh, towards the end of it, I talked about uh, the whole uh, dust up that had broken on Darren Ketchum, who is the director of development, uh, community development for the city of Sioux Falls, going to work for Legacy Development. Um, and I, you know, just a just a few thoughts on that. Uh, I I made my points yesterday, but. Again, there's nothing illegal about what Darren Ketchum, uh, going from the city's development department, where he worked on the $50 million public-private partnership deal that is building the parking ramp and hotel downtown, to this VP job with Legacy Development, who's the private partner on that. There's nothing illegal about it, okay? People leave government for the private sector all the time, and Ketchum's boss, Mayor Mike Uther, was nearing the end of his run. So that all makes sense, right? And... But, it, I mean, let's just look at this, all right? It looks really bad. It wouldn't look as bad if Legacy wasn't also connected, albeit not directly, to the ongoing controversy and investigation into the collapse of the Icon Lounge that killed a construction worker. It wouldn't look as bad if Legacy wasn't the company behind that private-public partnership. And it wouldn't look as bad if the company didn't have such a high profile as they do now. It wouldn't look as bad as if we weren't coming off an era of closed government under the Huther administration. And it wouldn't look as bad if Ketchum hadn't negotiated this new gig while he was still doing his old one. Unfortunately, that's all true. So this looks really bad. But I want to talk a little bit about immigration today. Uh, This is not a topic that I have spent a lot of time on because there's so much going on. But some things happened today that I I just. So Trump told Republican lawmakers today that trying to craft a deal on immigration, even minor adjustments, he did this via Twitter, was a waste of time. Uh, And they've been trying to come up with a fix and the conservative version in the House went down and now they've delayed any sort of debate on the moderate version. And it's disappointing because we need to do something. For far too long, going back decades, we have faced this immigration dilemma. The truth is that we don't really want to stop immigration. Not really. Our economy depends on it. For far too long, though, immigration has been this terrible political lever. President George Bush made a big push to reform the system and ultimately failed to put together a deal despite his moderate and practical approach to the problem because he couldn't get the conservatives on board. President Barack Obama got tough on undocumented immigrants, dramatically increasing the number of deportations by just using presidential power and took a lot of grief for it. And, you know, rightly so. And of course, President Trump initiated the zero tolerance policy. Now, it's true that the law 
and this is what you always hear, the law has been in place for more than two decades. There's no, those, those facts are there. There's a litany of court opinions guiding what can and cannot be done. Uh, but to me, Trump has made a couple terrible mistakes here, okay? One, today's tweet admits what we all knew, that he's using people's lives, albeit not citizens, as a political tool. He's not the first to do this. That's not what I'm saying. But he's saying, let's wait till after the midterms because we'll, uh, we'll uh, elect a lot more Republicans and we'll be able to solve this. I don't know if that will work out or not, but I'm skeptical of that. Because Republicans can't agree on immigration policy. I don't know that this helps congressional Republicans on the ballot in November, but the thing that is baffling to me despite what you think about the efficacy or the morality of the policy, is what did they think was going to happen by instituting this zero-tolerance policy for asylum seekers? If you knew you were going to separate these families, why didn't you make a plan to take care of the kids? And they had some plan, but you knew they were going to do this, and yet you made no real provisions for housing them and feeding them. Instead, it's barbed wire and temporary tents from a purely political perspective, who thought this was a good idea? Did you think that the American people just wouldn't care? That's just bad management more than anything else. That's just logistics, and it's done poorly. Now we hear that the administration is making plans to house up to 20,000 children on four military bases. This broke mostly today. And my question is, how is that any different from Japanese internment camps during World War II? I mean, those were citizens. How is this any different from Indian boarding schools in the 19th and 20th centuries who didn't get their citizenship until, I can't even remember what year it was, but they were, you know, citizens. These experiences have become stains on American history. I think we all admit that the Japanese internment camps were not a good idea. And I'm not going to liken this to concentration camps and all that. You know, you, you don't invoke Hitler. That's always the wrong thing to do. Because nothing is analogous to World War II. Nothing. But these experiences that we have had in our country, internment camps, Indian boarding schools, the treatment of minorities in general, of the Irish and the Italians, and the Norwegians, who weren't true Americans when they came and were pressed into military service as cannon fodder during the Civil War. These, these are not, you know, high points of American history, okay? They were dehumanizing policies that we've come to regret. How is this any different? That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Just drop me an email. Love to hear from you. Patrick at KSO.com. On Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We'll chat with the Buffalo Maiden from the Black Hills Bureau on Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
nothing but a pick on the side. 3.34 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And on a beautiful Friday afternoon, we like to talk to the Buffalo Maiden from the bustling hub, the tourist hub of Custer, South Dakota, our Black Hills Bureau, Buffalo Maiden. Are you okay out there? Is everything everything under control? <laughs> everything is so under control. You have no idea. <laughs> so, it's crazy out here. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, everybody is coming out to the Black Hills, which is... What we want, what we look forward to, and why we love winter so much out here. <laughs> no, you like the, you know, you like the people. You... Uh, oh my gosh, we have a restaurant full of screamers right now, and uh, that means uh, you know hungry children that the parents forgot to feed four hours ago, <laughs> and it's not our fault. We have to sit here and listen to it. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, I love the people. The people are awesome, but you know. The people that uh, order walleye and then complain that there's bones in their fish. Really? Um, then you have to explain to them, well, it is a fish, and they do have bones. Especially walleye. Um, you know, we try and get them all out, but, you know, you can't be, you know, we're not perfect here. And neither are the walleye. I think that's sort of part of the problem. The bones, the rib, the, the little, that, that that skeleton thing they got, it's not always in the same place in every fish. I mean, it no, is generally. Yeah, I mean, it's just so, I just, you know, we just have these people that are just so, uh, um, the, the other people that are driving me crazy, Pat, hmm. are, are the gluten-free ones. Yeah. Or the, I mean, what is going on with this? You know, I get the celiac disease, but uh, I can't, I can't guarantee that there's not going to be flour flowing through all the air when we bake bread in our <laughs> restaurant, you know? I'm like... I, I can't take that responsibility. And this they, is not And a then they ask if, if, if we can cook in a private room. I Look around. This is all I have. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You? Wait a minute. They ask you if they you can cook their food in a in room. A, in a separate room that is gluten, that has no gluten. Somebody has actually asked that? Oh, my gosh. I get asked that all the time. And um, so I just. You know, I get the celiac disease. I get that. I understand that. But this gluten-free thing is going to drive me insane. Because <laughs> we can't... It, now you can't say gluten-free anymore. We've talked about this before. Now I'm just going to say I can't guarantee there's not gluten in everything here. Right. Because, uh, it, you know, if you want to be gluten-free, you got to do the research. Steak. I can't. Right? I can't do all the research for you. You can have a steak. There's no gluten yeah. in steak. Yeah. And we have a whole steam steak. We have a fabulous steak. We have this beautiful buffalo ribeye going on right now because, you know, we have the best buffalo in the state, um, raised by the best rancher in the state. And um, anyway, so we served one up last night. It's a buffalo ribeye. You know what that looks like. Mm. Except in a buffalo, there's no there's very little fat. So yep. It's all meat. Yep. Put it down in front of the customer, and he said, that's not a filet. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no. Did it say filet? No, no, no. <laughs> maybe he I, I was... I think any wonder if tourists cannot read or hear. Maybe maybe he was listening to this show because I'm always talking about the bison filet and how much I love it at your restaurant. But it's a limited time. You're very lucky yeah. when you have the filet. If it says ribeye, that means ribeye. And right. And if you don't know what you're ordering, then maybe you need to ask a question. Did he, but, um, did he not eat the ribeye? 
No, no, we ate it. Oh, okay. Well, how could you not eat it? It's oh, delicious. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's perfect. But, uh, so he got over his apprehension. I hope he got over it. I have, I don't know. It's probably on Facebook somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the problem. You might end up in a some sort of like Facebook Live situation. You know what I mean? Oh, I just, I don't even look. I don't, we don't even pay attention. Don't even bother because I'm not even going to look. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have time. I don't have the time. This is my day where I just go let it off on everything. My other thing is, is you've been to my restaurant. It's yeah, a small restaurant. It is. We seat 50 people. We cannot take reservations. We are so busy. Just come, and we'll get you set. Just show up. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, every day, about six phone calls. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, I know you don't take reservations, but. <laughs> and that is just insane to me. I mean, you're trying to I, be, you, you are a believer in making sure that people have a good experience that their food is good, that their that the, the ambiance is right, that your service is quality. You, I know you, you, you believe those things. You work on those things, but sometimes. Oh you my just gosh! Snap. Uh, okay, okay. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I, you know, with that whole. Have you talked about the coat yet? I haven't been. I had a chance to. No, no, we, we, yeah, we can talk about the coat. I, I haven't really I don't talked care about to you. I was going to put that on my chef's coat and walk <laughs> through the kitchen every now or walk through the dining room every I now and I don't care. Do you? See, could it's you get away with that? No, you couldn't get away with that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I can't get away with that anytime because you have to keep, as a as a business owner, you got to keep your staff motivated. And if you're down, they're down. Yep. So where are they listening to this right now? <laughs> uh, they're not listening, but they're, I'm like, don't. What, what are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just. Uh, it's fine. They're all standing here, staring at me, wanting to ask questions. What about <laughs> of me or of you? Uh, of me. Oh, okay. oh, of you? No, they got nothing. They got nothing for you. They like me. Hey, but I got something for you. What's that? Because you said you're going to come visit us sometime. I know. I know. I well, I've got that ten of that uh, tenderloin, that bison tenderloin is aging. Um, oh, but I saw a motorized mountain bike for sale on Craigslist. So, Steve, you could ride. You could actually ride out here and look and look good. That's a motorcycle. <laughs> That's not a motorized mountain bike. That's a motorcycle. It's a, it's a fat tire motorized uh, bicycle. Oh yeah, with the, the electric motors. Yep. Cheetahs. Yep. And I think that would be. I think that. I think you might need it when you come out here. No, I'm. I'll bring my mountain bike, and I will suffer. I will suffer. I saw that picture of you in that speedo, and that is not. <laughs> not, not whoa, whoa, whoa. Pretty. Now, first of all, <laughs> a little context. One, it's not a speedo. Okay, not a speedo. It's a wetsuit. Full body speedo. It's a. Full, it's a wetsuit. <laughs> For the triathlon tomorrow, and I put it on Facebook. I got a lot of likes, by the way, and a lot of comments. Some of them good, and you know, I I got it on. All right, I yeah. think that's it first, and it's very slimming, by the way. It's you know what we used to say: uh, it's a privilege and not a right to wear spandex <laughs> or latex or whatever it is. <laughs> like. <laughs> Lycra. Lycra, that yeah. thing. That's what it is. This is not Lycra. It's a it's a rubberized wetsuit. Uh, it helps me swim better uh, because it's got a little bit of flotation in the in the uh, hip and 
thigh area that keeps my legs Why don't you up. just put those little arm things on, those blow-up arm things, that little kid, the floaties, that little kid's wear that the screamers are probably wearing out in my dining room right yeah, now. Yeah, as, as JP calls the uh, uh, Iron Man, she says, uh, first you get put your floaties on and swim for a while, then you sit down for a while, and then you finally have to <laughs> run. But that's not even close <laughs> to being the truth. So, yeah, so I posted that on Facebook. Yes, I did do that. Yes, you did. Thank you. I, that image will all forever be mm-hmm. in my mind. I'll never lose it. It's not that bad. What it, it, yeah. You should come. Too bad you're not going to be here. You can go to the race and see yeah. lots of people. Wearing you know, it. I'm kind of concerned about you because the last time you swam, which was probably, what, about five years ago, um, you had some issues. And oh, it was three where years were ago. you? It was three years Madison? ago. It was at the Ironman in Madison, and I almost died. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, wait a minute. I'm, I'll tell that story. I'm going to tell that story just for you because now you've outed me when we come back. I already know we're that. Gonna, we're, okay. Just hold on. Just stay with me. We're okay. going to come right back and talk more with the Buffalo Maiden on the other side of this break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 346 on the Patrick Lally Show. I'll trade all of my money for one last pack of strings. Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with the Buffalo Maiden from the Black Hills Bureau out in beautiful and usually pleasant Custer, South Dakota. <laughs> I mean, it's almost always just pleasant there. It's been a, uh, you know, we've had kind of a wild week here. Um, it hasn't really been in the 70s yet, which is what I always tell you, good sleeping weather. Yeah. But um, it's cold. Really? Although today it is sunny. I understand, uh, like Rapid City, you got a lot of they got a lot of rain. Did you get a lot of rain? We get, a, yeah, we've had a lot of rain, and I, um, uh, I think we're going to get a lot more this weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been crazy how much rain, and which is awesome because now we don't have to worry about a forest fire. Yeah, that's good. We have five inches, you know. We got a little rain. Wow, here. Yeah. you guys, you're you're really you, you must be really wet over there. It's not it's not pretty <laughs> to be honest. Hey, uh, so. I was going to tell you that. Yeah, I almost died three years ago. I know. Iron Man, Wisconsin. Uh, I I vastly overestimated my uh, swimming ability. I thought I had gotten so much better, you know. And because the first time I did Wisconsin, I went, I just stayed at the back and waited. And that is one of the few races left in the system where everybody starts at the same time. You just all swim out. You line up in this between these buoys. Boom, cannon goes off. Everybody takes off at the same time. So I'm up there, and I knew, I knew I had made a mistake when, like, seconds before, I kind of turned my head because you're just treading water waiting to go, right? Mm-hmm. Sun's coming up, and it's beautiful, and you're like, eh. Then I kind of look over my shoulder, and I notice there's a lot of people behind me. Like, what am I doing up here? And as soon as the gun goes off, just start getting beaten the little, little living bejesus out of me. Sweep will <laughs> swimming over you. You know, you're getting kicked in the, it's just awful. And I couldn't, I couldn't get going. I just couldn't get a rhythm. And pretty soon the people coming over, coming over, and then I'm panicking. So my heart, and then I'm uh, trying to get out and somebody, because there's kayakers there, right? And I'm kind of screaming. I mean, I'm going to admit to you. I'm like, hey, hey, because <laughs> I'm trying to get, and somebody like kind of pulled me out of there like a swimmer and got me just out of the main like mosh pit. 
and I was able to get over to a kayak and, and I'm just holding on, kind of get, kind of get my bearings. And the woman looks at me and goes, um, do you want to get out? I'm like, no, I don't want to get out. The race has just started. <laughs> I'm, I'm three minutes into this thing. And then we, I sit there a little bit longer. And I'm like, no, I'll be okay. It's, it's just a second. And waits a couple more minutes. She goes, are you sure you don't want to get out? <laughs> Anyway, so you're just going to jump back in that Speedo and try it all over it's again. Not, it's not. Yeah, but this is, first of all, it's Wall Lake. It's Oh, my gosh. It's 500. You're going to have full body armor on. It's 500 yards, which is, you know, up, which means I'll probably drown. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, don't drown because then I wouldn't have anything to do on Friday afternoon <laughs> when, I, you know, I'm already doing 80 hours of prep work. <laughs> we should move your day. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? No, that, okay. gosh, no. Every day is a prep. Every day is a day here. So you uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Melania. I Trump. did. So yes, the the coat. What what is yeah. your what is your general impressions of the coat? Not to get too uh, political. I. I guess it's extremely disappointing. I I don't care. Um, first of all, it's a twenty dollar coat or a forty dollar coat. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's wearing sixty thousand dollar coats at other events, and and you pull out a forty dollar coat and put it on um, with a statement like that. I just, I mean, we we as a business owner that employs uh, young you know, you know young adults. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spend my days, hours trying to make sure that you know they're employed that they're coming, that they're in a good working environment, that they are, uh, you know, trying to make something of themselves, too, that, you know, there's a means to an end and you've got to keep going. And then you have something like that come out. That's just, it's just, uh, it's just kind of a slap in the face for everybody. You know, I keep thinking, because apparently it was warm. She didn't actually need a jacket. Um, she was? It was warm out. She didn't actually need a jacket. Oh, yeah, she didn't need, well, and, she didn't need to do that at all, and I just. But I kept thinking, maybe this isn't a message for us, although there was no message. According right. There didn't mean anything. Maybe it was right. a message for, oh, somebody in her family, perhaps. <laughs> if you think about it in the context of that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's out. What you do when you become public, when you become in the public eye. When you put on a full-bodied lycra suit, uh, <laughs> you have to be responsible for your actions and your behavior. That's, and, that's and true. That's what that's what you get when you become public. Oh, absolutely. And I, whoever th- again, I said this earlier about a different issue. Whoever thought that was a good idea, you know, who somebody yeah. she's got people, right? She has yeah. staff. She has advisors. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's going to look bad. I d- it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. It's going to look terrible. Well, right. It's just, uh, where's the class? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I walk around in, in, uh, in a headband and in an apron every day. And I know it's not classy, but, you know, you try and stay classy, I guess. In the context, uh, in the context of what you're doing, very classy. Mm-hmm. Very classy, very classy, yeah. except the other day I had a big, I didn't know how that carrot cake batter got where it got, but it was interesting. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> when I found cake. it 12 hours later. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an occupational hazard of being a chef. It right? is, it is, it's terrible. 
So, hey, there's a lot of, you always ask about what rallies going on. We yeah. got no, nothing, no, all music this weekend, music and art. Hill City's got art, Hot Springs has art. Um, the Bluegrass Festival is going on. Yes, up in I, heard it, I heard about the Bluegrass Festival. Yeah, you can make it out here. And if you got here Sunday, we could go. It's church day uh, uh, at the Bluegrass on Sunday. It's Gospel Sunday. That's always beautiful. Bluegrass gospel. For music if there's wonderful. any priests out there listening to us, they'd probably like to hear you say that you were going to go hear some gospel. Let's not let's not bring religion into it. Let's not bring the priests, <laughs> the local priests, who may or may not be able to get a hold of me into this. Yeah, uh, right. We don't need right. that. That right. we, that's, we're not at intervention level just yet. Yet, <laughs> you are going to jump in the water tomorrow. I would maybe, maybe, maybe a good a good confession later on would might might not hurt you. A blessing at the very least. A blessing, a blessing would be good. Yeah, uh, Buffalo Maiden, thank you very much for being here today, and and I hope you don't have to work too hard. And you know, remember, remember <laughs> those people; they just don't know any better. Right, right. I just, you know, I, I, I just, I, now they're selling I do care, don't, do you? And I'm going to have to get one of those now, too. <laughs> there you go. And, be and nice. then I'll have a flip. So when the, when the gluten, when the people with bones in their fish complain, I'll wear one side and then I'll wear the other side when I'm <laughs> talking to my staff. That's a good idea. Um, I'm glad we could be here for you today. Um, just, Thank you for I, letting me vent. <laughs> I hope you feel better. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we will chat with Sam Gabriella from KSFY Severe Weather Center and then Jeff Mann from the Habeas Porpoise Band is playing downtown tonight. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. All weekend, going on right now, Saturday, Sunday, it's quarry days in Del Rapids. Just a short shot up I-29 or the back roads if you prefer. they got a golf tournament, volleyball tournament, 5K, 3-on-3 basketball tournament, arts and crafts in the park, and more. There's a parade tomorrow morning at 1030. For more information, go to the events calendar at KSO.com. After the news, we'll be right back. And we'll have the weather with Sam Gabriella of KSFY Severe Weather Center. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Fifteen on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And we have on the phone from beautiful downtown Sioux Falls, Jeff Mann. He is a drummer in what I like to call a local supergroup surf rock outfit, Habeas Porpoise. Jeff, thanks for taking some time for us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, first of all, uh, surf rock. Um, I have an idea uh, in my brain what what surf music is, but what? How do you explain what it is you guys are going to be doing tonight? Um, I I don't know that we're a surf rock in really the traditional sense. Um, we we actually get into some other. We get into some blues. Uh, we actually get into kind of reimagining some some punk tunes and stuff. But uh, kind of that that surf sound is. Uh, I guess that's kind of the unifier of what we do. Um, we we do get into some ventures and some surf classics but 
it, it's a little bit more of a variety with just kind of a surf sensibility, I guess. Yeah. So I call it a super group because it's got you, uh, Mark Romanowski, who's a relatively well-known guitar player here in town and Violet and some different things. Um, uh, and, uh, Andrew from the JAS Quintet, who's a jazz guy. Uh, and uh, who else is in the band? It's a, it's a kind of a nice mix of people. Yeah, it's uh, the three of us and then Jason Haig. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah, I used to play with Spooncat and uh, quite a few other groups in town as well. Yeah, so you guys bring a lot of different uh, influences and sensibilities. Is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm kind of kind of fortunate to get to play with these guys. I'm sort of the new guy on the block here. So Yeah, so you are the owner of Vishnu Bunny down in downtown Sioux Falls. Tattoo shop's been there. Gosh, how long have you guys been open now? Uh, April this year was six years downtown. Yeah, it's awesome spot. You also uh, a venue for local music. Uh, I saw uh, uh, Tommy Stinson there. Yes. <clears throat> yep. And uh, why do you? How do you? Night. How do you pull that off? Being a tattoo shop, kind of a, a art gallery, and live occasional live music venue. That's pretty tough in that small spot. Uh, yeah, I, I, we got a little more room in there than you might think. Um, it, it, it does get kind of crowded some nights, but that was kind of the goal when I moved the shop downtown. Was sort of kind of a attack all the senses kind of a concept, I guess, um, between tattooing, the art gallery, having music in there. So, Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're talking to Jeff Mann. He's a drummer in Habeas Porpoise, which is a group playing down at Club David tonight. So this, uh, this sounds like fun tonight. Um, it's on the deck. I have that right? Yeah, yep. So uh, give us the details on that. What's, how's this going to work? What time are you playing and that sort of thing? Uh, it sounds like we're probably starting around 8.30 or so. I think we'll probably wind up doing two sets and look to be wrapping up about 10.30. Um, I, that, that's the agenda I was given anyway. Yeah, so. and it's, it's, uh, it's like a free will offering for the band, right? A little, little mercy money for the band. There's no cover. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're just putting out a tip bucket. That's it. So it's just a, a good time on a nice night in downtown Sioux Falls. Now, the, the Club David deck, of course, is uh, pretty awesome. It's up kind of... Second floor up rooftop, overlooking the city. Sounds like a great time. Yeah, absolutely. I, when we started this, honestly, that, that deck was one place I thought of that would just be a great, great fit. Just good kind of outside summer music. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, tell me uh, how this group came together. Um, you know, how do you, you guys, who are pretty uh, uh, diverse in your uh, musical uh, explorations, all come together in one group? Um, you know, Jason and Mark and I, uh, started out in a band called Red Leaves together mm. and we wound up building a sister, which was a big kind of Prince tribute project. And Andrew wound up coming into that. And we just since then have all kind of worked on a number of different projects and, uh, habeas just kind of felt like just something a little bit lighter, just not as, not as demanding. Um, I don't know, just something, something fun to do with our summers, I guess. So when you talk about a surf rock sensibility, a lot of surf, sort of music has is uh, a, a lot of uh, instrumental um are you guys all instrumental or is it uh, there's some vocals thrown in there how's that going to work yeah it's all instrumental we don't don't do any vocals and and when you say as a drummer okay uh that that surf sound that is it does that permeate uh, a lot of what other stuff you do i mean it's kind of a unifier but do you always feel like there's this uh, some sort of uh kind of that mid-60s groove to the background of it. How's that work? Yeah, that's kind of the goal. Um, that, you know, kind of stack up little 
a little more reverb on the guitars and um yeah i that's about it i guess <laughs> yeah well and i know mark mark loves to play surf music doesn't he yes absolutely <laughs> he likes although he likes to play pretty much anything so uh how's how's the how's the lot how, as, a, as a drummer and a guy who's downtown all the time because you work down there uh you're kind of part of the, the the nightlife how's the how's the local music scene doing these days from your perspective uh i think it's fantastic <clears throat> in the downtown area between uh icon and total drag what those guys are doing um, it just feels like the last five, six years, there's been such an uptick, uh, seeing a lot more young kids and really neat projects happening. Yeah, there's and there's a lot of cross-pollination, which is always, I think, a sign of kind of a healthy creative class. You know, you're in this band with uh, these guys, but, you know, everybody's sort of picking up little uh, groups. Uh, Andrew from uh, JAS Quintet, he's in a lot of different stuff. I see him all the time. That has to represent something that's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think it's fun, too, to be able to play a, a, a broad spectrum of different types of music. You know, I, Andrew gets to jump in on guitar with this project, which, you know, I think is kind of a cool sort of a whatever, a different angle than, mm-hmm. you know, he's normally a bass player. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and a, and then a classical bass player and a jazz bass player and an anything bass player. Uh, he'll go, he'll do anything, that guy. Um, so, hey, on a sort of non, we were talking about the tattoo shop a little bit. You guys have been there for six years. When you first went in, you're right next to Cafe down there. Uh, people are like, oh, tattoo shop. How has that been for you uh, sort of folding into the, the Phillips Avenue crowd? Is it, has it been, you know, pretty seamless overall or how's it been for you guys? Uh, you know, for the most part, it has. We, we had a couple of, couple of little speed bumps to overcome. Um, I just always maintain with my people, just, I just kill with kindness, just hold doors and be polite and just let people know we're part of the community. Um, I, I, I kind of think a lot of businesses downtown, when they heard we were opening, were half expecting the Hells Angels to be lining Phillips. And <laughs> that's just not what we do or what, what we represent anymore. So, yeah. So the other cool thing about your shop is you can stand there and watch somebody get tattooed. Right, right. Dale's kind of the showman in the front window there. Yeah, it's neat. How long have you been uh, a tattoo artist? Uh, I actually had 25 years this year. Holy cow. And how did you get your start? Um, I, you know, actually playing with a band up in Sturgis years ago when I lived in Denver. I got my first one up there and I, it just, to me, it was just voodoo. I, I was... <laughs> I had to learn how to do it, so I pursued it. That's pretty awesome. But uh, what other events do you have coming up that people might be able to stop down and and uh, hang out at the shop and sort of see what you guys have to offer? Uh, we have uh, first Friday, I believe that's July sixth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our standard first Friday art show featuring uh, Solomon Carlson is our artist. Uh, we have Phil Bjornberg as our DJ and uh, Tapwater Shrimp from Sioux City will be performing after the gallery reception. And then Saturday, July 14th, um, we actually have uh, Lou Barlow from Dinosaur Jr. is going to be playing at the shop. Oh, that's awesome. That's a pretty big show for you guys. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um, And what day was that again? That is Saturday, July 14th, I believe. Oh, that's a a mark your calendar situation. Uh, As I said, I saw Tommy Stinson in there, and it was was really a memorable night. Um, It... You wouldn't think, you don't think of a tattoo shop as a live music venue, but it worked out really well. I thought it was cool and I had a lot of fun. 
So thanks yeah, for doing that. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, good luck, Jeff. Thanks for hanging out with us a little bit today. And uh, uh, Habeas Porpoise, the band, the Sioux Falls Supergroup, is going to be playing tonight down at Club David on the deck. Free show with a with a little free will donation. Throw the band a buck or two just for just to be nice. And uh, it starts at eight thirty, gets over by ten thirty. Jeff, thanks a lot, and uh, hopefully I'll see you tonight. Hey, thanks for having me on. Coming up here in a moment, we're going to chat with Laura Black. She is the she is with Sanford Research, and she's going to be here because we want to talk about. Uh, Clinical trials. So we talk about clinical trials all the time on the show and uh, different researchers that we have on all the time, and it's really cool. But the other side of that is you, the people, the consumers. We have, because we have all this research going on here, we have more than our fair share of folks who are consumers, just average fee- people who can get involved in clinical trials. Now, what does that mean? You know, what are the risks? Why would you do it? It's uh, often people want to because if they've got cancer, they've got some sort of a condition in their life where they they need some hope. Sometimes that seems like hope, but is it best for you? We don't know. Uh, You don't always know. And that's what uh, Laura's going to be here to talk to us about from Sanford Research. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 433 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're happy to have back in the studio Laura Black. She is the Senior Director of Clinical Research for Sanford Research. Laura, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me back. So uh, the reason we wanted to have you in is because uh, I was got some information about uh, clinical trials, and, and you are involved with a lot of education on clinical trials, right? That's Correct. That's part of what you do over there at Sanford Research. So am I, do I have this right now, that uh, we have in Sioux Falls, in this area, uh, a fairly high uh, participation rate, or access rate, I should say, to clinical trials. Is that, a, is that a fair statement? Am I saying that properly? Yeah, it is a fair statement, and I would say that you're right on both points. It's not only an, an access issue, but it's also the enrollment issue, and in both areas, we're, we're definitely above the national average. So what does that mean for consumers? Because I think we hear, you know, we have a lot of folks come through uh, who are from Sanford Research or scientists of, of different kinds. And we talk about, you know, trials and developments that are being uh, uh, made in, in, in cancer research. And we just talked about that, you know, sort of the, the progress in treating lung cancer. And a lot of this stuff is because people like me and folks out there listening signed up for some clinical trial, Right. Uh, what, what does that, what should we look for? What, what should I be, question should I ask? What should I be worried about if some, if I have this opportunity, which seems like a great opportunity, um, but are there things that I should know or think about before I get involved? Sure. Yeah. So let me ask, uh, answer the first part of your question there in, in terms of what it means for patients. So uh, as a patient in our region, you have access to innovative treatment options. So really new treatment options that haven't necessarily been approved by the FDA yet. So we're still investigating what they what they will do in terms of um, outcome and how well they're going to work. But especially in the area of cancer, which is primarily where um, I have focused my career is 
you know, we, we have um, a lot of opportunities to provide drug access to patients here in our local area before they would have access to it otherwise. So instead of having to travel to a Mayo or an MD Anderson or someplace away from friends and family, your support system, potentially even work, we've got patients that are working still during treatment given the new treatments, which I think you've talked about on the mm-hmm. show before, um, we're able to keep everyone local. So I think for patients, it's good to know that there's other treatment options Um, and that we're moving that needle forward and they have access to those. I think the second piece for patients to be aware of is that it provides a way for you to contribute as a volunteer for kind of the next generation. So really looking at what that altruistic uh, behavior motivation might be. Um, If you're going to consider participating in a clinical trial, there are some things that you should probably think about. One is uh, where you're going to participate in the clinical trial. So is this something through your physician's office? Is this something through an independent clinic? It's good to know kind of who you're dealing with. And then once you've been approached for a clinical trial, um, there's a few key things to always look for. There should always be an informed consent document. So that walks you through what all of your rights are as a human subject. So we call them human subjects um, instead of patients. It will walk you through what all your rights are, how things are going to go in terms of cost, which there really shouldn't be cost associated with a clinical trial. Um, it walks th- what, there. There shouldn't be costs associated with it. That's interesting. So if you your participation, you have costs because you're already have a, a, Ill, a right. condition of some sort. But the, there's no additional cost for the clinical trial generally? Is generally speaking. So, and this is where we could probably talk all day about this. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing that happened that was really great under the Affordable Care Act was that it basically uh, required private insurance payers to cover clinical trial participation. So if you're participating in a trial, you shouldn't have anything above and beyond your standard medical costs. So if you walked into a clinic and you wanted to participate in a trial and they said, well, we're going to need, you know, $10,000 up front for this stem cell trial, that should be a red flag that that's, that's not how it works. So are there, so, and we know that there are, particularly with stem cells, okay, and that it can be a controversial topic because there are parts of it that are ethically still being uh, discussed. But there's also a part of stem cells that is very much uh, applicable in our world. But there, from what I understand, are like fake stem cell clinics. So I'm not sure if they're fake, but uh, it's really an unregulated or to date has been an unregulated part of medical practice. And there's been recent advancements with the FDA and they're really cracking down on these kind of curbside regenerative medicine clinics where we're not really sure what they're giving you. Um, No one's really quantified even what it is. So it might not be stem cells at all. We don't know. Um, And so... I think it's it's good to just be aware that those things are happening. And I, not so much around here. This is mostly in Florida. That's where I've seen the yes. story. Yeah. And that seems particularly heinous. I would I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. That's I think that's a nice way to say it. However, it's really good that the regulators have caught on and basically they've given all of those um, we call them kind of snake oil clinics, mm-hmm. two years to comply with the regulations or they're going to start shutting them down. So we'll see them go away eventually. But back to your original point, this stuff, it, you shouldn't have a big price tag associated with it. That should be a huge red flag no matter huge what you're Huge red flag. Um, and how, uh, how many clinical trials is Sanford involved with right now? 
Right. So in terms of trials that are actively ongoing, meaning we either have patients that we're currently looking for or maybe we're following patients, we have well over 300 trials at any given time. But when we think about uh, Sanford has been what we call a community oncology research program since the late 80s. We have lots of trials where we've been following for patients for 10, 20 years. Um, And I would say our, I think the last time we looked, we had well over a thousand trials, 2000 trials that we've just been following patients on. That's amazing. Uh, So that's why at some measure we have in this region a higher access rate to trials because Sanford is getting involved with, with the, for instance, the lung cancer um, um, information that we just were talking about not so long ago that there are advancements being made in this clinical trial was showing progress. That wasn't just at Sanford. It was all over the country. And Sanford was connecting with other big medical centers. So because we don't have very many people here and Sanford's reaching out so much, is, is that how that works? Is that the formula where, oh, okay, I just have more access? So this is a really interesting topic that um, we just talked about recently at ASCO, our community. It's actually, it's the American Society of uh, Clinical Oncology, and we walked through that. So it's it's a really complex uh, animal when you're trying to build a clinical oncology um, program, but it's making collaborations with different folks. It's making sure that we're enrolling patients, but then there's a lot of behind the scenes work that happens. So once you've enrolled a patient, are we collecting data in accordance with what the research protocol says? And are we doing a good job of the data collection? So one of the things that I think is the less glamorous part of research is all of the data that we have to collect. But if we don't collect good data, we never get to the end and mm-hmm. understand what we're doing. Um, and that's where Sanford has also invested, is really making sure that the infrastructure that supports the back end of the research is as good as the forward-facing piece. And that's how we've been able to build a reputation. Because it's while it's two different sort of arms of Sanford, you've got, the, you've got a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got Sanford Research. Those things have to really work together. Those organizations really have to work together to make this work, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the kind of the mantra at Stanford has become that we want to be able to offer all of our patients uh, an option to participate in clinical trials. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we're working towards in building how many trials we have is making sure that no matter where you're seen, whether it's maybe in the heart clinic or the vascular clinic, or if it's in pediatrics, that you have the option should you choose to participate in research. And that's why this usually happens at some big university hospital, right? That's the relationship there. Sanford's just created that without the university. Exactly. Yeah, we call ourselves a hybrid. We're a hybrid between community and academia. That's interesting. Um, We're going to come right back and talk more with Laura Black of Sanford Research. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 446 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Laura Black. She is the Senior Director of Clinical Research for Sanford Research here in Sioux Falls, and we're discussing clinical trials and patients' rights, and uh, uh, we were talking about stem cells earlier, and I couldn't, I couldn't find the word. There's a difference here, and we should make the delineation between embryonic stem cells, which are a point of controversy, and all the rest. Is that fair to say, Laura? Very fair. Okay, Thank good. you for clarifying. I didn't, I didn't want somebody to think we were talking about the controversial ones. Any huge. Uh, let's get back to patients' rights. 
So in clinical trials, people come in and they're, they're, they're full of, uh, you're offering them some hope, right? And a lot of times people are, whether they got cancer or some other condition, you know, the, the doctor says, well, we do have this clinical trial. That's, that can be a lifeline. And I'm wondering sort of as a patient, it can be easy to say, yes, I'm going to do that. But what we talked a little bit about this, but how can I find out what I'm getting myself into and what are my rights? Sure. That's a really good question. So the informed consent document that we talked about, um, they're generally quite lengthy documents, but they're full of really good information that will walk you through as a patient, what are your rights? And and all of those elements are governed by um, our research ethics background. And so those are set things that should be in every informed consent, no matter where you participate in a study. So as a patient, it's making sure that you've had time to really sit and look at that document. Um, don't be rushed into signing anything. Um, always be able, you should always be able to ask questions. You can, a lot of times we'll send that information pack at home with patients and encourage them to visit with their family, let them read it, perhaps even talk to their family physician and really make sure that they, they feel comfortable with the decision that they're making. And then on the other side of that, how do you handle the expectations? Because by being in a clinical trial, you're accepting that you might be in a control group or, you know, it may not work or it may not, the side effects may be terrible. How do you handle the expectations for patients when they oftentimes might see it as a lifeline? Right. So uh, beyond what's on the paper, we really have what we call an informed consent discussion, and that goes on throughout the life of the study. So it's not a kind of we have a conversation and then it's done, but it's making sure that patients understand where is the study at? Is this an early study where we're still kind of unclear if it's going to work? Is it a later study where we're, you know, we've got quite a bit of evidence and we think it could potentially work? Where is it at in the in the scope of, of research? Um, and then talking through what do we anticipate the side effects to be? So, you know, we have, I'm not sure if you're familiar with institutional review boards, but they're ethics boards at each institution that does research that will look at the risks and the benefits for each patient and making sure that they're balanced. So you would be able to look at what all of those potential risks might be. And then knowing that no matter what happens, if you sign the consent today at 1055, at 11 o'clock, if you decide you don't want to be part of it, then you have every option to just withdraw and then seek care as you usually would. So, Yeah, and what does this do for Sanford ultimately in terms of research and all these clinical trials? We, we hear a lot of news about it. Um, what what's the what's the goal for Sanford here? What what are we trying to accomplish? The goal is to bring treatment options to patients in our community so that they don't have to leave, so that they're represented in clinical trials. And then at the end of the day, patients have different options to choose from and they have access to innovative therapies that the rest of the country has. So where are the where do you when you look at what's going on in the full range of trials here. What are you most excited about? What are the ones that are, you're just like, I can't believe we're doing that. Oh that's, boy, that's, that's a wild. tough one. They're Probably all my... have some folks upset with me if I pick favorites. But... <laughs> no, just, just an example. They're not favorites. They're not number one. We're not ranking them, Laura. All right. Just, all what, right. what are some interesting things that are going on? Well, I would, I would pick oncology or cancer because that's my background. And I think 
in the years that I've been in research, we have seen a complete about face in cancer. We're seeing immunotherapy. We're seeing the use of genetic testing in cancer and really looking at how we can target specific disease. So I think though that's probably most exciting, but then also knowing that those same immunotherapy and genomic technologies are being applied across all different types of disease, we're really seeing the entire field of medicine change. So I think that's what I'm most excited about. It really is a, I suppose you say this in the 70s and 80s, 90s, it's a great time to be alive, you know, because if something does go wrong, especially if you live here, you know you have access to good health care. And despite all the debates about insurance and affordability and everything that's going on in the broader world, the, the care has gotten, just gets better and better and better. And that's the number, to what's amazing to me these days is the number of people who have whatever done, whether it's not, you know, some terminal illness, anything. And it takes 10 minutes or it takes 45 minutes. And uh, our, our colleague, Chad McKenzie, just got a new hip. He was on, it took 45 minutes and the man put a new hip in him. You know, so that in itself is amazing. And that's got to be very exciting to be part of. It is. It's very exciting. And I think to your point, seeing the impact on the backside for the patient, I mean, that's really where it's fulfilling. We're getting people back to work, back to their lives, and it's all happening here. Yeah. Can you make me uh, uh, faster? Any chance? Is there something I can get? You know, actually you can. If I were to go through the power program, (laughs) I would get faster. I'm just too lazy to do that. Well, but you know, not to go off on a tangent, but I think that there are some folks that are really wondering when we're thinking of stem cells, again, Mm -hmm. not embryonic, but regenerative medicine therapies, Mm -hmm. what that's going to mean for athletes and and how we're going to be able to treat athletic injuries. And Well, the news about Jack Nicholas, where uh, Mm -hmm. Sanford uh, did, it's it's regenerative therapy on his knee, right? I think it was his knee or his Knee or his hip. I think it might have been his back. Some hunk of his body. Yeah. But, uh, you know, here's a guy who's... 70 years old and, you know, playing better golf than he has in 10 years or whatever it is. That's amazing. That's, that's hard to believe sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you must have a great job. I love it. Cool. Laura Black, she is the, in fact, Senior Director of Clinical Research for Sanford Research here in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Laura, thanks for coming in and chatting with us. I, it's fascinating work and, and good luck out there. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Coming up. We'll finish up the program here in just a moment and finish up the week. By God, oh, it's about time. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I mentioned earlier it's Quarry Days in Del Rapids this weekend, but you know, there's so much going on this weekend. So we talked about Habeas Porpoise playing tonight down at Club David, and Moonlight Movies is tomorrow night, and that's a free outdoor movie at Faywick Park, starts at dusk, bring a lawn chair or blanket, refreshments will be for per- available for purchase. This week's movie, hold, eh, wait, Spaceballs 2, for more information, you can go to the events calendar at KSOO.com. But here's the deal, people. Uh, I, the Dakota Man's tomorrow. We talked about that. There's just there's there's a ton of outdoor activities going on. Uh, you know, there's the, the coffee ride. Smart Cyclist coffee ride tomorrow. Leaves from Mana Bakery. Nine. 
there's it, there's there's some at ten. There's some at ten. I saw. Oh, there's a mountain bike. You're like gravel ride from Spoken Sport. Uh, every I've shot. You know, just get out there. It's gonna be a great weekend. There's so much going on. Six oh five Summer Classic tomorrow night down behind Sharapa Place. I'm I'm gonna try and get down to that. So hope I see you all out there. Coming up on Monday, everybody. Tunisia Islam. Our friend Tunisia will be here with a couple of immigration attorneys. We're going to talk about what's true and what's not concerning immigration law in this country. I hope you'll be here on Monday. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, let's be careful out here.